0: Our training programs are very diverse. We have people who come from all backgrounds, all races, ages, gender, anything you can think of tied to who an individual is, we are making sure we can get them into our training programs. And what we're seeing is slowly as people are retiring out there's opportunities for more women to come into the pipeline there's more opportunities for people from different ethnic backgrounds to come into the pipeline and train up into those management roles that we haven't typically seen so it's somewhat of a natural progression but we still need to move it a little bit faster so we are looking at how do we put in new activities that might help upskill people to help build that diversity into the industry even faster.
1: This is Associations Thrive, the podcast celebrating successful associations and their leaders. I'm your host, Joanna Pineda, CEO and Chief Troublemaker at Matrix Group International. Listen in as top association executives tell all, revealing the creative and innovative ways they're increasing membership, generating revenue, nurturing engagement, and reimagining their organizations. By the way, if you've launched a new initiative, created new member services, or updated your governance structure and are seeing great results, I want to hear your story, and so do my listeners. I'd love to have you as a guest. Go to podcast.matrixgroup.net and apply to be on Associations Thrive. Now let's dive into this week's show. Today, I'm speaking with Jennifer Poff, Executive Director of the North State Building Industry Foundation. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you. So tell us about the foundation. So the
0: North State Building Industry Foundation has been around for 16 years, helping people find their dream jobs in the residential construction industry and the related trades. So our goal is to help people find their perfect career
1: in the construction space. So Jennifer, you have a unique audience that you serve. You say that 85% of the people that you train are from underserved communities. So tell us about that. That's really unique and interesting.
0: We serve people from underserved communities throughout the greater Sacramento. And the reason that is important is because, as most people know, California has a large Homeless population, we have an affordable housing crisis. So, a lot of people are just looking for what is that next step? Get them a solid career where they can grow in an industry, build their own homes, build their own families, and make sure they're able to move forward. So, our goal when we go out to train them is we work with our community based organizations throughout the area to see who they have that might be interested in a career in construction and get them signed up for our training
1: programs. Jennifer, I bet there's a real need for your services because isn't there a huge worker gap in construction, as in we just don't have enough people in the industry?
0: There is a skills gap that is happening within the residential construction industry due to retirements going on, and we don't have enough people to replace people one for one in the industry. So when we started this in 2016, 2017, our goal was to help address that skills gap. But what we know now is that there's going to be changes coming into the industry that are not going to necessarily allow us to replace one for one, but instead help us prepare for how do we blend technology possibly with the amount of workers we have going into the industry. So that is important to us as we shape training and try to get the skills gap narrowed enough to support the industry in the area and help continue to build homes and hopefully make it more affordable
1: for Californians. So Jennifer, if I'm recently arrived from the Philippines or Afghanistan, what do you do for me to prepare me for a job in construction?
0: Well, we work with all populations of people in the greater Sacramento area. We do have a large Afghan and Ukrainian population coming into the area. So we do offer opportunities for them to train as well. And even if there's a language gap, we can help with those initial pieces getting in the program because we have a couple of staff members who speak Farsi, Pashto, and Dari on our team. Wow! So they are always very excited to meet people who come from similar backgrounds as them and help them get a job here in the U.S. And what do you train me to become? I would say our training programs are very customized. We want to make sure you get into an area of the residential construction industry that's perfect for you. So while plumbing may be ideal for one, electrician might be ideal for another person. So we give you exposure to all different areas on the home building side. So, whether it's framing, plumbing, electrician, you have a wide exposure to be able to tell us at the end what you're most interested in so we can match you with the appropriate employer.
1: Wow. So, before we talk about the things that the foundation is doing to thrive, tell us how you got to be executive director of the foundation in Sacramento.
0: Like so many people,
1: I accidentally fell into
0: association management as a career. And what an exciting career it's been. So, I started out low-level member services coordinator, doing the basic things of contacting members to answer questions, newsletters, working with chapters, and worked my way up from there to where in 2016, I was offered my first executive position in Houston, went there and did that role for three years, did a lot of change in three years, and just needed something different. So I took some time off during the pandemic, and then was approached by a local recruiter here in the Sacramento area. Would I be interested in interviewing for this role? And I said, sure, why not? You never know where you're going to end up. Came out, interviewed for this role, and then got a phone call as I landed back in Houston that I needed to be in California in four weeks' time, and we stretched that out to five weeks, and I've been here for eight months now. Oh, my God.
1: So what do you think of the Sacramento area so far?
0: We are enjoying the Sacramento area. Everybody here has been so welcoming. The organization has been great.
1: And we're just really enjoying getting to explore this part of California. Amazing. So let's turn back to the foundation. So you say that the building industry is still predominantly white and male. And you're looking to change that. So I guess at what levels can you change that and how are you doing that? Our
0: training programs are very diverse. We have people who come from all backgrounds, all races, ages, gender, anything you can think of tied to who an individual is, we are making sure we can get them into our training programs. And what we're seeing is slowly as people are retiring out, there's opportunities for more women to come into the pipeline. There's more opportunities for people from different ethnic backgrounds to come into the pipeline and train up into those management roles that we haven't typically seen. So it's somewhat of a natural progression, but we still need to move it a little bit faster. So we are looking at how do we put in new activities that might help upskill people to help build that diversity into the industry even faster.
1: Jennifer, almost every guest on this podcast talks about recruitment is a challenge, retention is a challenge. So what are you doing on the recruitment side that's working?
0: So on the recruitment side, we have over 100 community-based organizations we work with that help send people to our training programs who may have an interest in the industry. And with those partnerships, it's a give and take, it's a collaborative partnership. And those are very important because there may be things we can help them with and in turn, they can help us. So when we work with groups such as the Iranian American Cultural Center, Health Education Council, Urban League, they're all referring people that they know need those opportunities to get those work readiness skills, to be able to find a career in the construction industry, to help build their life back up. And in turn, we help them with, hey, here's what we're seeing in the populations we serve. Here's some mental health pieces we may ask the Health Education Council to help us with. Or in turn, we may ask the Iranian American Cultural Center, can you help translate for me in Farsi to get out to your population and share with them what we do as an organization? So those different collaborative pieces have been very important to help our growth and help make sure we fill our programs that we do.
1: That's amazing. It sounds like you're working with over a 100 organizations. Who knew that there were that many, you know, community-based organizations in the Sacramento area? But what you're doing is really working with them to help them meet their goals, because by referring their clients to you, you're really helping them to develop skills and get better jobs. So the saying,
0: it takes a village, really applies here, I feel like, in Sacramento with all of our community-based groups, as we're all trying to help everybody get a job, find their dream job, and have success in their careers like we all feel
1: we've had in ours. Okay, so I have other clients in construction, and they say that recruiting is a challenge and retention is even more of a challenge. So you've got all these people coming in from these different underserved communities, how do you keep them there? That is a challenge we are definitely currently working through because we recognize
0: that the building industry has cycles in it. And there's times where you can't find a spot to place somebody because everybody's full. And there's times that you can't find a spot because there's a downturn and people can't get placed. But when there is a downturn, we recognize people will move on to other jobs because they have to pay their bills. They have to put food on that table. And one of the things we want to make sure we do is, okay, if there is a down cycle and we need people to stay in the industry, how do we partner with our employers who are in the industry to maybe take them down to part-time and we train them on upskilling? That way, when they're ready to go, they have some additional skill sets to bring back to the industry, but you still have them part-time. So you're not having to go out and find them and rehire them again when you're ready to build up your workforce. The other piece that I think is a challenge in this in retaining is we haven't had the best track record up until now of where do our alumni go? So we're wanting to reach out to our alumni and make sure that we know where they're going past the two years. We may reach out to them after they graduate from a program, follow them on their career journey, see what other training pieces we can do. So it's a multi-step process and we help you continue with the success each step in your career.
1: Jennifer, is there also a cultural component to this? Because I've had guests on the podcast who say construction is rough and tumble. It's not always welcoming to women and people of color. So how do you change culture so that, yeah, I might have skills, but I also want to be here because I feel welcomed and I feel like I belong. Is that still an issue? That is still an issue. And we see it in multiple facets of on work
0: sites, you'll have different cultural groups around the work sites even. And going from one group to the other can sometimes be a challenge we hear. And that has been an important part of discussions tied to our recent strategic planning process of how do we break down those barriers? How do we make it easy for everybody to work together as a team and make sure that they're completing the task? Empowering women in this industry is still a challenge, even though there are women in this industry right now When you talk to them, they are division vice presidents. They are CEOs of their company, and they are some of the strongest women you will ever meet, but they are breaking those barriers in this industry. We still have a long ways to go. You even see that with diversity on sites. A lot of times it still goes back to there's a large white population. There may be a Hispanic population, but if you are of another ethnic origin, it's hard to fit in sometimes to those groups. And that is an effort that I'm starting to see increase in the Sacramento area with some of our builders discussing how do we make this a more diversified industry and make sure that everybody is welcome and we have the skill sets
1: we need to get the
0: jobs done.
1: You have something called Project My Own Bed, and this has been a big success. And I love the story. Tell us about it. Project My Own Bed started in 2019
0: as an effort to help get kids who are sleeping on the floors in their homes in Greater Sacramento off the floor and into a bed, but we needed a way to tie it back to our industry. So one of our programs, which is our out-of-school youth program, and it's heavily focused on underserved community, took the participants from the program out into the homes, had them meet with the families. And help assemble the beds for the kids and show them how to make the beds. Because we provide everything from the bed to the linens, pillows, mattress, anything you need to make sure that child then has a warm bed to sleep in. The fantastic part about this is not only getting the children off the floor and into the bed, but we're also teaching our out-of-school youth participants how to give back to their communities that they often come out of while learning project management skills as well as communication skills.
1: Wow. So how many beds have
0: you created or built? Last year alone, we did close to 100 beds. And this year, we're hoping to double that number to 200 beds.
1: Jennifer, how did you even know that it was a problem that kids don't have beds? So the interesting piece of this is it started with our current immediate past
0: chair. He found out about this program that he had seen somewhat similar in other places and decided to bring it in as a volunteer aspect for our team. And as we looked at the areas of Sacramento that were underserved, we realized there are a lot of children sleeping on the floor or sleeping in the bed with a grandparent or a parent or guardian. And how do we help them? So this has really been a passion project of his and has since become the passion project for a lot of the staff here at the foundation.
1: I love it because having your own bed Just feels wonderful, right? It's like your own space. Yes. It's that warmth, that security, and that sense of home when you're not
0: sleeping on the floor anymore.
1: Yeah. You are not a traditional membership organization, which means you don't have members who pay dues. So how is the foundation funded? The foundation, while we are a part of the North State Building Industry Association, we have
0: to have our own funding. So the association side does have its own membership structure. The foundation side has to rely on grants and donations in order to operate. So our foundation is heavily funded by private and public sector grants, as well as some federal grants, in addition to donations from the members of the association side and other local community organizations that have an interest in what we do. So how's the fundraising environment right now? Fundraising is a challenge as always. So this was another area we discussed in our strategic plan recently because we recognize that fundraising is changing and how people donate is changing. So as we're working with how people donate, we're looking at what are the new sources for funding because funding we currently get may go away at some point, but we want to keep up with the same rate of budget, if not grow that we have been doing. So it's constantly reaching out to who are new organizations that may want to donate, researching who's out there, and then finding new ways and new event ideas to hopefully bring in the individual donations.
1: What's an event that's been successful for you at helping you to raise funds? Our signature event every year is our poker tournament. Poker tournament? Yes.
0: Ah! So we do a Texas Hold'em style poker tournament every August where our members come out. But even for those who don't want to play poker, we still make it a fun evening with other games, other activities, dinner, and networking. So that has been our signature event that we're hoping to grow this year and have a lot more people come out and just enjoy themselves on a fun evening at a local golf course.
1: Wow, Jennifer, thank you so much for introducing us to the foundation, to the amazing work that you're doing to the amazing clients that you serve and for everything that you're doing in the Sacramento area. I hope you'll come back and tell us about this amazing poker tournament and all of the beds that you're creating for the kids in the area. Yes, thank you for having me today and helping us share the word about what we do. Thanks for listening to Associations Thrive. We're so glad to have you here. You know, my personal mission and the mission of my company, Matrix Group International, is to help associations and nonprofits increase membership, generate revenue, and thrive in the digital space. I want to hear stories of how your organization is thriving in today's challenging landscape. Please apply to be on my show by going to podcast.matrixgroup.net. By the way, do you need help with a digital initiative? Maybe it's a website redesign, a new membership database, or a hybrid meeting that you're planning. I'd love to connect with you. Please visit the Matrix Group website at matrixgroup.net. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of Associations Thrive. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, leave a five-star rating, post a comment, and share it with your colleagues and friends. Bye!